Hello, and welcome once again to the How Long to Beat podcast. Uh, I am Rick, joined by Alex and Paula, uh, and we're all in various states of undress. It is the summer, and we are feeling it. I certainly am, anyway. Um, Although Paula's week... like fully dressed up since it's her winter. <laughs> yeah, I am freezing, guys. <laughs> oh dear, you can have some of our heat. It's fine. We we have too much. You are more than welcome to it. And the football's on, so at least it's good for that. Anyway, mm-hmm. this week we are going to talk about what we've beaten, what Alex has retired, and what we've been playing. <laughs> we will uh, we'll do a little bit of chat about the good, the bad, and the ugly of E3. Um, nothing particularly planned, just a bit of a, a natter around what we liked and what we didn't and, and what sort of jumped out for us. Uh, we're finally going to get back to doing questions from the community. Touch wood, fingers crossed, lucky rabbit, all of that shit. And uh, <laughs> we'll finish on everyone's favourite aspect of this show, and indeed most people's lives, I'd imagine. Uh, how long to, like beat to beat the game? the game? I definitely caught you both out. I've a hundred percent led into it. On that. <laughs> no that oh dear, Paula, straight into what we've beaten. You know what I want you to talk about. Yeah, I finished. Well, completed Thirteen Sentinels Aegis Rim. I didn't do the side content because whole no, not the side content, the post game content because oh, holy yeah. shit, it's a lot of that. Yeah, I didn't uh, put, I no, it's time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I did platinum the game, and it was a lot of fun because uh, during my playthrough, I I think it was around the eight or nine hour mark, I went full team void hat theory, <laughs> and started spamming on on our Discord chat. The and... the moment the moment that it sunk its claws in were very clear for us because uh, our our DMs lit up. Yeah, genuinely, our, like, group chat looked like a fucking classified, redacted document. It was just all this spoiler black. I was like, okay, Paul is into 13 Sentinels now. <laughs> I was just pointing, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And this is, like, the third time I've done this with people I've recommended it to, so I'm I'm so here for it. I loved that aspect of it for, like, the 28-ish hours of the playthrough that you were hooked. Look at that. I am so happy that I actually got a lot of stuff right. I got a, a stuff wrong, too, but... Something that felt like a, a like a long shot, like I wasn't even thinking of the box anymore, uh, was almost put on and I was like, yes. So <laughs> I was streaming this game to my boyfriend and he was like, hey, the tinfoil hat uh, worked because he offered me a tinfoil hat uh, when they started going crazy with the theories. <laughs> I do have a couple of cracks with the game, like how without going to do much spoiler has to go with the writing in a, in a couple of places here and there. And um, on on the um, story segments, I I don't know why, but I, when I was trying to walk into the background, sometimes it just it was so goddamn slow to get to to the specific place in the background mm. um, that it, it it became annoying like around the fifth time. So it was so few far between that it didn't like impact the overall. My overall experience with the game, which was really nice. Though, if you have like a a normal PS4, there's a couple of points where it's gonna lag. Yeah, Uh, there's a reason it didn't get the Vita port, and and there are a couple of moments where that's evident. Yep. So, yeah, overall, excellent experience. I love how they did the story, uh, the storytelling overall. It kind of reminded me of. What's the name of this author? 
Gabriel Garcia Marquez, which oh, he really yeah, does like a lot of we're storytelling stuff, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't, but I'm going to find out. He's got this really um, excellent, the Garden of Forking Paths is one that I think would be closest related to this one um, that deals mm-hmm. with, with time travel in a very interesting way. Well, parallel dimensions. Anyway, sorry, it's great. <laughs> I'm going to come back to that tab after we've recorded. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to find the other book it kind of remind me of. That is Chronicle of a Death Foretold. Mm. Ooh, that's a great band name as well. That is a great uh, band game. Band name, sorry. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I really dug the general writing and storytelling of the game. The battles, usually people don't seem to like them as much, or it is like one of the weaker points of the game. But they aren't bad. Like the, um, they they are kind of breakable at some time at some points. Mm-hmm. If you know which mechanics to explore, but the way it is done is it is done so you can't do the same thing over and over again, which I found very refreshing. So yeah, those are my thoughts on 13 Sentinels, I guess, frame for the PS4. Hopefully we can do a spoiler cast on this game because I have so much to say about this game. Yes, once someone gets around to it. I'm getting there, I'm getting there, I yep. promise. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no pressure, before, we move... Alex, no pressure. <laughs> before we move on what score did you give it and why was it 10 out of 10 i was deliberating i'm still like trying to think if i want to give it a 9 or a 10 like i'm i'm letting it simmer there i've heard you say 10 we can stop there what else yeah. have you beaten <laughs> <laughs> i also finished this morning syrup and the ultimate sweet and let's be honest after 13 sentinels i was like story out <laughs> Like, my brain was fried. So I went with something short and sweet, pun totally intended, because Syrup at the Ultimate Suite, it's about this candy alchemist that lives in this town where everything is done by by means of magic. But she believes that uh, science has the uh, upper hand here. So she has a store with candies that she makes, like, in a traditional way. And one morning, she just finds a magic candy golem on her lap. And the story unfolds from there. It is very silly. It gets weird at times, but overall, it is a very heartwarming experience um, in most of the routes. I gave it, I think, a 7 out of 10. So yeah, that's my week. What have you beaten, Alex? I see something very interesting there. Oh, I beat two 10 out of 10s (laughs) this week. Just two of my favorite games, for sure. So I'm going to talk first about Chicory, A Colorful Tale. So I, I kind of, God, I wish I like had just stretched this game out for like weeks so I could talk about it every week. Because um, this game is just, it's, it's, it's fucking brilliant. I mean, it's currently the best rated game of the year on Open Critic. Like it is, it's, it's, it's got a solid 90 on there and I think it should get higher, frankly. But um, it's just... How do I describe this game? It's like the best 2D Zelda you've ever played, but without any combat. And yet some of the most, um, I think, like intriguing and ingenious and intuitive gameplay mechanics that like I've ever had in a game, it really takes its premise, which is that you live in a world wherein color is put into the world by people called wielders who wield this kind of brush that you know comes from nature and it imbues the world with color and the wielder that you serve under you're a janitor in the like wielders tower and she's kind of vanished and there's these like 
you know, weird trees coming and all the color has vanished from the world. And so you pick up the brush and you go to town and it's, it's so like free flowing. It has this map and it's, it does that beautiful thing where it like guides you for the first little bit. And then eventually the game just sort of opens up and it's, it's kind of Metroidvania in a, in a way because you uh, unlock abilities that allow you to kind of explore more of your world. And it is such a goddamn joy to explore this world. Like I, I, Basically 100% of this game. The only thing that I didn't do is like, there's just like a couple slightly like, um, there's a few things like you can pick up some stuff that's not like super required. It's very much like, this is just a fun thing you can do. Um, if you want to complete it, sure. But I was like, ah, eh, nah, I'm okay. I don't, I don't need that stuff. Like you can pick up litter around, uh, picnic, which is the name of the place. And it's like anthropomorphic animals. And oh my God. And the whole story deals with, um, creativity. And it also, you know, it's an example of a game where the writing is so excellent. I mean, think of like a lot of people really love. So it's by the creators of Wander Song and Celeste, and there are some really cute. Um, there's there's some cute Easter eggs for Wander Song in there. Oh, and my God, there's an Easter egg in this about a, a game series that I fucking love, and it is an amazing Easter egg. Like when I hit it, I, I stopped and had to tell you guys in the Discord. I was like, this game just became my favorite game because it was it's so good. <laughs> like it happens, and I was like, yeah, like I just laughed and loved it. And yeah, when you hit it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, it just. So yeah, like I said, by the people who made Celeste. And so a lot of people talk about like the writing in Celeste and how excellent it is and how it it does this really wonderful exploration of kind of mental health. And it's like, imagine that writing times like a hundred, like it's, there's so much more in this game. Um, The writing in that was like sort of a side thing, right? It's like, it's like an interlude, but the writing in this is front and center. And like to the point where, you know, they do this brilliant thing where it's like, you know, you can talk to someone and you can get the information you need just from one conversation. And you got it. You're fine. But like you can continuously talk to a lot of people until they basically run out of dialogue. And I was doing that all the time because their dialogue was awesome. And it was so wonderful. And like people appear like they travel throughout the world, right? Like at different times, sometimes if you color in a whole screen, you'll see someone pop up and they're like, oh, I heard you colored this one. And I just wanted to come see it. And they'll like comment on the way you've colored it. And like they'll often genuinely comment. Like sometimes I did one thing where I had to do this thing and I, I kind of drew something that like didn't look great it was like kind of eh. and they were like well that's interesting um <laughs> like you know they like genuinely <laughs> have these excellent comments and like in the art classes they'll they'll actually critique your art and like they'll give you advice and like stuff and it's so well thought out like the whole thing is so well thought out and i was looking at the creator and he talked about how um they purposely didn't gender chicory and that was something i noticed too so for me chicory was female that was my kind of look on it i felt like yeah female but they purposely talked about how like in the writing Chicory is completely genderless and there is never a reference to Chicory's gender, except if you're in a language that the language is just gendered, like French, where it it just is, they offer you the options to choose if you would like masculine, feminine, or if you would prefer a neutral sort of tone for that. So in any of the languages where you just can't escape gender, where it's like, you know, baked into like the verb usage and stuff, they, they give you options. But I just thought it was great. They even had a land acknowledgement at the end. I was like, oh my God, this game is like, literally, I feel like this game was just like made for me. I was like, everything I wanted, it was so thoughtful. And the music, the fucking music. I've been listening to the soundtrack on Spotify nonstop. This music is by Lena Rain, who did the music in Celeste. And it is amazing. Like there are some serious goddamn bops. It's one of those ones where I was playing a boss fight. And at one point I got lost in the fight. Like I was just like, 
And my girlfriend was trying to get my attention, apparently. And I was like, oh, oh. she like had to whip me with one of her hair elastics. I was like, ah, what? Like, I was just so like lost into it because it was so intense and it was the music was so incredible. And it was just like, it just clicks. It's one of those games you just want to keep playing. And like, I don't know, I'm gushing about it because there are so few games that capture that feeling of like joy and almost like childhood reverence when you play something where it's just so fucking fun that you just you're just completely enraptured in it and like this is one of those games where everything it just felt right and like going through it it was like whatever my mood was it felt like the game was ready to match that like if I just wanted to come in and explore a little bit and do some painting it was like yeah come on in dude then it was like hey I want to go explore some like really awesome intricate clever dungeons and it's like all right here you go come on in and it's like it has all of that stuff for you yeah oh my god i can't recommend this game and it's so cheap too man it was like 20 cad like it's not even expensive at all and it's by finji who finji's publishing tunic as well um and so like this is a company that i'm pay attention to these guys they're making some good shit yeah and I, i'm worried this is a game that people are going to sleep on because like it's out on pc and then it's out on the playstation at ps4 and ps5 and i've heard that they do some really impressive stuff with the controls on the playstation so that's pretty cool but it's has it not got a switch version it feels like a game that's tailor-made for. Switch. i'm sure it will <laughs> uh it's a small team let me just put it It was a kickstarter actually also the turnaround oh, okay. on this they got this done so fast and it's so polished uh i'm if there's not a chicory 2 i'll cry like i they they sort of hint at it at one point in the game and i'm like please make it because the world they built is so beautiful and yeah, I don't know. It has such a touching story. Like I, I told you guys, it hit me in like a personal area, but I think it will hit just about anybody because it really, it really just deals with this. Oh, and the themes. Sorry, I, I could go on forever and ever. Like the themes are of um, kind of knocking down like the barriers to creativity that are that exist. And this is something I found a lot. Like in the art world, there are so many barriers that are put up and there's so many gates that are kind of erected for who can do art and like, who's allowed to engage in art and like who we respect in art. And I just, I hate that shit so much. And the game really tackles it in like a, what feels like a really authentic way. And that's the thing that I like about this game is that sometimes you see games trying to tackle artistry and like being an artist and also creativity. And it can feel like a little highfalutin sometimes and like just a little disingenuous, you know, but this is a game where I was like, no, 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 this feels perfectly genuine and just really, really moving. I don't know. Sorry, I'm talking for so I've already gone on probably like 10 minutes on this game. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just love it so much. I want everybody to play it. Play it on the PC too because I think it works much probably better with a with a mouse, but apparently they've done great stuff with the control uh with the controller as well. So, you know, there you go. Free for anyone who is like uh, from an international audience that isn't like from UK, United States or Canada, I think you can get the game so cheap on Steam. Yeah. Because I think the it is ten bucks for me. Is it? Hey. Yeah, it's ten bucks in Chile. Well, see, look at that shit. See, this is what I'm telling you. Why I love these freaking developers. Look at the shit they're doing. If you're international, go go do that. Get it for cheaper and enjoy the shit out of it. <laughs> Man, ten bucks for this game is like that's a fucking a steal. steal. That sounds like a steal. This shit is like linked to the past. Good, you know what I'm saying? Like it's like better than that as far as i'm concerned um so it's fighting the... talk oh i'm serious oh my god it like it makes zelda like 2d zeldas look like child's play that's what it feels like for me like um and just because there's no weak link in this game that's the thing that i was like, oh. hey <laughs> <laughs> 
but seriously, throw Don't this developer some love. I didn't. Mean that. I, didn't, I really wish I that. did mean that, but <laughs> that was too good to be accidental. <laughs> Sadly, it was. But thank you for noticing it at least. I didn't know that though, Paolo. That's awesome. Yeah, and I believe it's it's been translated into a number of languages. So hop on that train, you know. Oh, and the art style is so pretty. Anyway, it's just uh, it's just so good. It's just so good. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna help you out and move you. Yes, along, let's guys. go to the so next one. Like, you'll go forever if I don't. I will. I I could do the whole time. Yeah, Mass Effect Two, my other one of my other favorite games. God, I love this <laughs> game. This game is so fucking good. It was weird. I actually was um just the other day. I I kind of felt like I was burnt out on it. I was like, oh, I think I'm done. And then suddenly, like, I woke up the next morning and I just had like a rush of like desire to play it, and I just like fucking swept through the final legs of this game. It's an incredible game. The gameplay is much better tuned than uh, Mass Effect. You can just see them improving as they go along. The writing's wonderful. It's really fun exploring all the different planets. Some people don't really love the like probing thing, but you don't even really need to do it. You have to like probe planets to get resources. But like, I'm gonna be real with you here. Like, you just don't really have to. Like, you you need to <laughs> probe some of the planets, but you could literally spend maybe 20 minutes and be done for the rest of the game. Honestly, what? do you mean i've got the first clue you literally go to about. planet so you're, you're flying because you have a galaxy map so you have the map of the entire galaxy right. and you can go to all these different um star clusters and then in the star clusters you drive around your ship and you can click on uh planets and then it'll kind of zoom into the planet and you scan for resources and then you send like an extraction uh probe down to like uh, extract resources from the planet and it's a way okay. to help you buy upgrades and stuff which by the way little hint for people you get your squad's upgrades. Go talk to your squad in your ship and get the upgrades for the ship because a couple of them you're going to need unless you want some people to die. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, and is there like story implications for probing or is it just a resource management thing? It's mostly resource. It's just to like get your upgrades okay. for your ship. Yeah, there's not, not, not a real story thing. Um, it, it's just a way to balance like how you get upgrades instead of it just being money. But if you play Mass Effect 1, <laughs> you're probably never going to have to worry about money in this game because they import your money from Mass Effect 1, which completely breaks the uh, economy, which I love because I was like, I don't feel like messing with the economy in this game. Uh, anyway, I 100%ed this game. I got everything. I did all the side missions. I did all the DLC um, playing it as the Paragon um route because the renegade route is just sad sometimes but yeah it's such a good game the companions are excellent i will say it's what's fascinating about this game is you start to see ea's influence and this was really the time when like dlc was it was such a big thing to create like small modular single player dlcs like it was just I don't know. It was like kind of like the rise of that. And it's nice to have them put in here. And I, I, I'd be curious if you could tell what's the DLC if you um, hadn't played it originally when it came out. But when it came out, like I, I know when I'm playing it, I'm like, yeah, this is DLC. And it's fine, but it always just feels a little off from the main experience. And I don't know. I'm just sort of sad by that, like where it's like, oh, come on. Like I sort of wish that this had just been part of the game from the get-go and could have felt a little more integrated, but I think they do a good job of making it feel integrated in this collection. Um, so anyway, if, if you're a first time playing, I'd be interested to know if you knew what was the DLC or not. Um, one thing that is really cool is that there's side missions. So when you go to scan planets, sometimes you'll find an anomaly and that lets you go do a side mission on that planet. It's usually a one-off thing, but sometimes it'll connect you to like other planets in the galaxy that you can go do side missions on. And what I really love about them is all the side missions feel like shit that the development team was like, hey, 
I got a crazy idea. And then they're like, yeah, make a level out of that. You know, like it sort of feels like that kind of thing where they're like, what if we had a level where it's like you had to click, like it was like totally, you can't see anything, but you had to click like beams that connect and they're like, oh, that sounds cool. So like, it's kind of fun because I think some of their more interesting ideas sometimes are in these side missions. Maybe not most interesting, but like ideas that you can tell like wouldn't fit in a major mission, but fit perfectly in a little side one. Um, So yeah, I don't know. I highly recommend Mass Effect 2 big time. Like I said, it's a 10 out of 10 for me. It's just, there's not many games like this out there that are so huge, have so much dialogue and so much excellent dialogue and just, yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful game. There you go. Those are my two games. I I beat some biggins this week. Um, All right, I'm done. I'm done. Rick, tell me what you beat. (laughs) Wow. By contrast, I've beaten two very small games and one of them. (laughs) I did most of the beating the week before. So um, I, for everyone who's listening, I'm in the middle of a move and dealing with utility companies, moving boxes. I haven't had the gaming time that I normally seem to find out of nowhere to play all the things. Mm-hmm. So um, I've beat two games, the first of which I talked about a lot last week, which was Metal Slug second mission for the Neo Geo Portable uh, by way of an emulator on PSP. It's really good. The wrinkle is it's really good for a Neo Geo Pocket game. Mm. and they do loads with it. In terms of recommending, I would never not recommend it. I don't think I'd ever not recommend any of the Metal Slug games because they're all so damn short, and they're all pretty good. Like The baseline is very high for that series. But if you're listening and you've never played a Metal Slug, go play the first one. For my money, it's still the easiest entry point because it's all so straightforward and distilled. The mechanics are, are already in place by that point. And you don't have to deal with any of the aliens or the zombies or the branching paths or any of the stuff that they add in later games. If you've played those and you like them, you know shit you're going to like the, the portable versions. It's the same thing. It's just a demake and a really fucking good demake at that. And they do differentiate themselves a little bit in that the branching paths, rather than being, oh, do you climb over this suspicious looking cave entrance or do you go into the cave entrance? It's depending on, on where things go because the levels are so much shorter. Uh, you'll take entirely different routes across the world map from from sort of level one to like the level 38, 39, 40 that are at the end of it. Um, lengthwise, it's still sort of 40, 50 minute playthrough. Um, there's a lot more replay value, arguably. And I think if I was a kid with this and a Neo Geo pocket, I would have loved sort of going on a run and, and working out what what's my path going to be this time kind of thing. As someone coming to it today, Still holds up. The gameplay is still fantastic. Don't make it your first Metal Slug, but it is brilliant. Uh, the other game I played is a mobile puzzler called Agent A, A Puzzle in Disguise. And I've had this one sat on my phone for a couple of years. It's award winning in the sense that mobile games win awards. But it's, it's, it's basically a escape room game told over five chapters. So your character is hunting down a rogue agent you followed them home to their like penthouse thing and then you have to like solve classic adventure game puzzles like looking under the pot the pot plant to find a key to open the letterbox to get another item that will let you fix the light at the front of the door which for some reason lets you get in like it's adventure game logic like that but to its credit the vast majority of it is intuitive which you can't always say for games in that genre there were times, particularly in, in chapters three and four of five, where the map design felt like it got in the way of things a little bit. There's a lot of sort of moving back and forth. And it's like, oh, I know what I've got to do, but I've got to 
visit the same rooms back and forth three times to make it happen. Like, but as a cheap mobile game that I spent three to four hours with in sort of the 10, 15 minute breaks that I've had this week, I think it really, really held up. And I think if you're looking for something on that platform, I, I don't think I could recommend it in its own right, but as, as something on that platform, it you know, it's pretty good. Um, graphics are well done. UI is pretty solid. The story is not really existent, but it the act the act of puzzle solving is fun enough in and of itself. And there are there are some fun moments. There's a there's a recurring character called Jerry the Jetpack, and it is um, in in the bottom of in fact not in the bottom in the roof lab of this woman's secret lair. Um, you find a jetpack just hanging up, and it's got a very tempting red button on one of the handles, and you press it, and it goes in fucking Deus Ex Machina is the solution you need for a puzzle. And then you keep finding it in different places. Like, oh, hi again, Jerry. Let's see what you can do for me this time. Press the button. And it, it does clever stuff like that. There is a charm to it. So if that's the kind of experience you're looking for, wholeheartedly recommend it. It wouldn't necessarily recommend it to anyone who isn't already looking for that sort of thing. I, although I'm really going around the houses I'm sort of <laughs> feeling my way through how I think about it as is. I think if, if, it, if you wanted to try an adventure game, I feel like it's a really good baby's first adventure game because what you need to click is obvious the majority of the time. Uh, the UI is pretty intuitive. Everyone's got phones. Do you not have phones? So it's, uh, I, I feel like it's good in that sense. Hopefully that makes sense in the recording when you're listening back. <laughs> those, those are my playthroughs. Those, those are my completions. Only you have retirements this week, Alex. So mm-hmm. let's go for them. Let's do it. These are two retirements from the Boss Fight Books catalog of games that I'm playing. <laughs> so yeah, I retired Galaga because like, look, come on, it's an arcade game. Well, yeah, I can't beat it. Um, so I'm just like, I'm good, I'm done. Um, get good, Alex. Yeah, get good. Well, I mean, you know, it would take too long. Then I also, I, I, okay, I, I tried to go at this game as best as I could, but holy Jesus. So I don't know if you've ever heard of Jagged Alliance 2. Um, I have, yeah. You have? Ooh, cool. Okay. Uh, Paula, I'm guessing no. <laughs> No, it kind of rings the bell, but so, not really. Jagged it's Alli- like a Command and Conquest sort of RTS, just without the resource management, isn't it? It's like mm, um, no, think XCOM, more so, XCOM. Um, oh, but like in a real time thing, isn't it? It's not grid based. Yeah, it's not grid based, but it's 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 XCOM. Actually, XCOM and this game were being developed okay. at the same time. So, Jagged Alliance two and uh, Jagged Alliance actually and XCOM were being developed kind of at the same time, and without either of them knowing they were doing these t- style of games. And XCOM came out just a few months before, which I, I think kind of cemented XCOM as the game that everyone sort of knew um, from this genre. Uh, and yeah, it, it's, you know, it's it's sort of turn-based, but not quite in the sense that like you move all your characters in one planning phase and then all the enemy has their turn. So it's turn-based in that sense, right? Where it's like all your guys get to go and then all their guys get to go. Um, it's more like Wasteland. Yes, it's like a lot like Wasteland, right, actually. Right, Wasteland, right, right, I think, right. picks up the DNA of this game. Got you. Now, it's made by a company called Surtech in Canada, and I actually think the book on this is really fascinating because Jagged Alliance 2 is massive. I mean, the concept is that you land on this sort of, like, you know, random um, island in some country where there's been a military coup. And so what you're doing is you've been hired by the deposed king, so the brother of the of the woman who, like, Uh, took over the island and he's hired you and a bunch of mercs and so you're coming into the island and you land in one spot and you basically have to fight your way up to the up to her 
and you decide how you do that. And so it's like, there are these basically segmented areas. There's like a map screen that you go into. You have to hire mercenaries, make sure that you've got enough money each week to keep the mercs on your team. It's fully voice acted by professional voice actors, which is like super rare. This game came out in 1999 and the voice acting's like good. The characters are, you know, for its time, would say quite international. Like they're from all over the kind of world. Um, obviously it's a lot of, a lot of white dudes, but there are, there's a, there's, I was like the 13 or 14% women or something like that. I don't know, not a ton, but like um, there is quite a variety and I could see why people would absolutely love this game. Like it is deep and it is hard. Um, it is, it is very hard. Uh, I got it for two bucks. So I was like, fuck it. I'll try it. Um, <laughs> and even like the tutorial, like you kind of have to like read the manual to like fully understand the tutorial. They may be patched some stuff in to make it like a little more understandable now, but there's still a few things that you kind of have to read the tutorial for. But anyway, it's in that isometric sort of style and you move each of your characters and they have action points. Right. And so you can like click them like go over this way and they'll just move as fast as they can to get there you can like they can go prone crouch they can stand you can like combine items to like macgyver things for them and like there's also team dynamics so like sometimes if you try to recruit someone if you have like for instance there's like one dude who's like pretty fucking racist and there's like a black lady later in the game where if you try to recruit her and you got that asshole on your team she's like fuck you i don't want to go on your team that guy's a dick and so it's like kind of neat like they're dealing with like some stuff like that um it's definitely kind of playing on the 80s like military movie fantasy bro like fantasy in this like it's an it's an 80s action movie as a game is really what it is um because mercenaries Mm. don't mercenaries don't exist like this in the real world they're blackwater you know they're like fucking operatives that are like basically fight in actual full-on wars you know what i mean it's different um (laughs) and you wouldn't send six of them to take an entire country exactly and you can hire from like 60 or so but actually you can have two different teams of operatives in this game eventually so like you can actually have multiple groups moving around and you can like bring them both in onto the map at the same time to like do like flank maneuvers and stuff like if you're really into tactics and like military tactics you're probably gonna fucking love this game because you genuinely need to use like basic infantry tactics in order to like be successful me Mm. i don't fucking care about any of that (laughs) like i'm not not a military tactician so i tried it it's slow man it's clunky on uh these days you know like i mean the ui is pretty good for you know 1999 um but you gotta be like and like i'm clearly not set up to like this game but if you're into like that sort of turn-based tactical games this is probably probably one of the best ones out there because like I said, deep, a lot of stuff, a lot of like little Easter eggy dialogue things. Yeah, just tons of customization. I mean, there's this whole laptop screen where you go and like recruit mercs and you can like see them and you get like emails that give you intel on the island and like you have to discover what's going on and like you kind of have to like, you know, figure out what you want to do and there's side quests when you enter into villages and talk to people. I mean, really cool game, but uh, not Alex's cup of tea. <laughs> mechanically it looks like it's aged like warm milk as well i have to be honest i'm looking at it now and it looks uh looks like a tricky one to get into yeah i actually i I don't think it has i actually think that mechanically it's it's quite sound so like if you if you play it that's not the problem it's just hard (laughs) um do you know what i mean like mechanically it's actually um it's quite logical in the sense like and, and basically it's just clicking stuff right you just click press p to go prone see up click on the face they'll shoot the head you know what i mean like the mechanics of it are actually, I would say, deep, very deep, and um, uh, not necessarily intuitive, but like 
it's one of the yeah it's one of those games where it's going to really reward you if you spend time learning how to do it you're going to get probably some of the most interesting emergent gameplay that you can get from these sorts of games um but again you have to be a big goddamn fan of games like XCOM and Wasteland. <laughs> those games, like, you need to love those games, and then you'll love this. But for you two, don't try it. You you won't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, that's it for my retirements. Uh, why don't we move on to what we're playing? Um, Rick, why don't you go first this time? What are you playing? Yeah, sure thing. And and again, it, it's much the same as it was uh, last week, in fairness. <laughs> so Front Mission Gun Hazard still in my playing. Barely touched it. Uh, ditto Vagrant Story. Um, I've played a bit more of Lichten Battle Mage. I'm definitely a little bit cooler on it than I was last week. The problem is the mechanics are interesting. They sort of fall apart a little bit when you when you have more than two enemies to deal with. Because it's, it, it, it's like a first-person brawler, but with magic. So you have quite slow movement. You have a standard attack for each of the elements. You have an area of effect. And you have a block. The problem is the game doesn't really tell you where any of the enemies that aren't in your FOV are. So you find you're getting clobbered from behind you. Uh, you find you're getting shots from all kinds of places. Even the shots that are in front of you, you don't really have the time to block properly. Uh, and one, one of the cool things that it's supposed to let you do is as a melee combatant tries to hit you, if you time your block right, you release like a, a parry magic attack sort of thing. And there's definitely depth to the combat. So uh, I've only got three of the sigils so far. So there's fire, ice, and like a gravity movement affecting thing. And and you can freeze enemies and then hit them with fire and they'll go. But you can also do a movement thing on them that slows them down. And so then the flames will be more effective when you can hit them. And there's more sigils to come. So there's definitely things that it can open up. Uh, The crafting also has a lot of options, although that I feel like is far too much to do and not nearly enough explanation there's a streamlined like smart upgrade thing but it's sort of frustrating to do that because you feel like you're leaving stuff on the table i'm getting the impending sense that the game needed like six months of qa and that it's probably going to become frustrating before i hit the credits i hope that's not the case i hope it turns it around but i I can't realistically see what it's going to give me beyond the controls i already have that will mitigate the combat problem i suppose the only thing as it stands is that actually on normal difficulty you can tank enough damage that it's fine but i feel like i i need to be a little bit more mobile or have more combat options for the way that it's setting me up but we'll see um and then the the other one uh is uppers which i am quite close to having finished now just because uh it's been perfect for the move and everything else because the, the missions are like three to five minutes long so it's such an easy to pick up and put down um because it's a really casual 3D brawler kind of thing. There's not really a lot to do in between missions. So it's just like bish, bash, bosh, bash, bish. It is still crazy dumb and it is still a hell of a lot of fun. And what I've liked since I started it when we were talking about it last week is that there's actually quite a lot of character variety. So it gives you the impression when you're starting out that you're just going to be playing as these two best friends. But actually, as the story progresses, you play as various other people. And most missions, first time round, you have to play as the two the two friends. But if you go and replay a mission to sweep up any love letters that you missed the first time round, uh, or to grind your popularity for whatever reason, uh, you can play with whoever you like. And so there, there's a lot of, not mechanical flexibility, because the mechanics are broadly the same, the button inputs are identical. 
but the way that those light attacks, heavy attacks, grabs play out are different. And the characters do have enough of a distinct feel to each one of them to make it significant, not just like a, a window dressing, palette swap, model swap sort of thing. So I like it. And if you've got a Vita and, and a confident setup, I think that's the way to play it. So yeah, I, I think having it on handheld, there is a, a, a tangible benefit to the game from that that you wouldn't necessarily think about until you've been in that situation. And it, it definitely reinforces my feeling on Hades that I would have had a much better time with that game and been much more inclined to play more of it if I had it on Switch. Also, anyone who's listening, Hades has been confirmed for PS4 and 5, I believe, at this point. And Xbox Game so, Pass. And Game Pass, there you are. So get on that, because for all our criticisms, it is still an excellent game. Um, as is Uppers, I, I'm really, really liking it. It, it. It's one of those where I almost would call it a guilty pleasure, but I think it's more than that. I think it's a game that objectively is flawed, but in a way that from a personal perspective just doesn't matter, if that makes sense to either or of you. Fantastic. Uh, Paula, what have you been playing? Speaking of games that play better on handheld, uh, I've been playing Breath of the Wild on my repaired Switch because I finally got those Joy-Con replacements. Solid fuck. Just it no doesn't Mario work Kart, completely yeah. anymore. <laughs> no more Mario Kart, no drifting. No drifting. But I'm actually pretty happy how the repairs went. Hmm. Because I ordered a set of um, joysticks out of uh, from Amazon, among other things, and it was surprisingly easy to take apart and put back together without messing up anything. Oh yeah, you guys don't have and... the free repair service down there, do you? Nope. Also, repairs from one for one Joy-Con on some places I've been. It, it's pretty much the price I paid for replacements uh, for all six Joy-Cons. Oof. Damn. I, this is the thing, though, with repairs sometimes. like They're viable if you can do them yourself, uh, but sometimes not. Like My PS3, the, the HDMI went on it, and I was quoted £80 to fix it. I bought another one secondhand for 15 It's like, right, why would I ever pay yeah. someone to have that repair done? If I had a soldering iron, I could do it myself. But Yeah, I know in the States, in Canada at least, um, you can send it to Nintendo for free, and they repair. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I sent. I had to send all three of my fucking left Joy-Cons. I've never had problems with the right ones, but I sent all three of them uh, to get repaired because they all drifted. Like, it was... God, fucking Nintendo, fuck. Anyway. <laughs> so... yeah. But no, you're right. They, they do look like <laughs> relatively doable repairs. It's one of those where as long as you're careful and slow... Um, there's nothing that's easily fuck upable like a screen or a battery or anything like that. Yep. Well, no, there is a battery, ignore me, but like it's not <laughs> in a position where you're going to like stab it accidentally or anything. How would you stab accidentally a battery for a system rig? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Where there's um, a will, there's an idiot. So <laughs> why don't you tell us now in the comments below and <laughs> smash like while you're doing it? So, yeah, uh, I played a little bit of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I've been scanning my amiibo, like, every day to get, like, all the pieces of armor that come from those. And I've also done, like, a couple of shrines that we talked about with a friend the other day. But some of the shrines take longer than the Divine Beast. And the puzzles seem, like, more well thought out uh, than some of the puzzles in the Divine Beast. Not that the Divine Beast are, like, bad, but... They are like a shorter experience from the traditional Zelda dungeon, but uh, this game has been talked about like plenty of times, so I'm gonna jump to the other game I've been playing. 
which is Hakuoki SSL or Switch School Life or uh, Vita. As I previously stated, this is an English patch game. And the only problem I have with the game so far is one of the mini games you have to play because it plays like a regular Otome until the mini games. Uh, most of them are like pretty straightforward, but one of them, and it's the last one you have to play and you have to get it perfect, otherwise you get a bad ending. Uh, where the protagonist pretty much is running away from something. Um, you have to play these mini games from people that are like blocking your 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 way. And two specific ones are have a high language barrier because they couldn't like they couldn't translate it or uh, well because one of them you have to order um sort these kanji so they make up a word and I haven't seen half of these kanji yet so I pretty much have to like sort them as fast as I can and try to get like a lucky break with I which I actually got with a five kanji sequence and I don't know how and the other minigame from that random pool you get five minigames out of is one where one of the characters shows you like the face of a character and he's like oh leave the banner that that has or doesn't show that character and of course it's not like they only use one word for telling you the the banner that doesn't have that character there's like three words so i pretty much had to get lucky and not get either of those mini games and after like 20 attempts i finally uh, got the first ending Luckily, you can time. buy. <laughs> they were like the pretty short attempts, though. I know. Like still. the best part is that you can buy a ticket that allows you to skip the mini games once you clear one route. So the only reason I will be replaying some of these mini games is to get the points I need to, to skip the other unlock ones. some. No, to unlock like some special stuff in the game. Oh, I see. The only but, reason you'll ever go back to them now you can get the tickets, right? Sorry, I yeah. misunderstood you. I'm with you now. Yeah, but you only buy the ticket once, so I'm not uh, doing the random five again, never again, because holy fuck, it was frustrating. Uh, Which is a, is, a, sorry, go on. is a shame, because otherwise it is a very fucking cute game. Which actually one, uh, made me go like full fangirl for a moment last night, and I was like, ah! <laughs> so, yeah, that's the... The only thing I would say, like, play, like, the first route I'd recommend doing probably is Okita's route. Only because he doesn't show on the minigames if you do the route. So the guy you are doing the route for doesn't show in that last minigame. And Okita's is probably the hardest one because of the language barrier. Right, I've got you. This is a thing with fan translations, though. God love anyone who's going to put their, their own time into making these things. But sometimes like you can tell that it's someone who's not a professional who's done it and it can affect gameplay like your thing and mm -hmm. i wasn't going to mention it but in uppers like there's been a couple of the love letter requirements that were just clearly mistranslated because what you have to do to get them to trigger is not what they're asking you to do in the english Ooh. but but i understand 99.8 percent of the game and the the heroes that put it together did it before there was an english version available so god love them they had to translate it all on their own yeah it, it's just one of the um one of the quirks of those things the worst one i've ever seen it was a 3ds game i can't remember what it was called it was in the lost planet series it was like a spin-off 
and it's like a, a third-person shooter for, for 3DS. supposed to be pretty good, but the person who did the fan translation was self-admitted someone with no language skills. It was someone who was able to, like, open the game up and, and like... Google Translate? They literally... Mm-hmm. Fuck me. And it, it wasn't even a native English speaker, so they couldn't, they couldn't test it. It was someone Brazilian. And I, it, that, that was borderline unplayable. But, but again, like, I could still understand more than I would have done with the Japanese, just... But still, <laughs> um, the way they're doing fan translation because I'm on the Discord group for Otoke Library, I think it's its name. They have a leader project, and they are required to be able to translate it, so it doesn't sound like Google translated stuff. So there's a certain quality there. But the mm-hmm. thing is, the tools they're using doesn't allow them to change a specific stuff in the game, and that is specific stuff in the game that isn't changeable was some of the stuff in the minigames though they did offer like a cheat sheet with all the little bits of japanese they couldn't translate so that made it like way easier to understand the minigames they actually did a fantastic job uh, with the game so far i haven't seen any major like typos or things that would keep me from like completing the game and once again, once you complete the, the mini games, you don't have to play them like never again. But yeah. I do have hope because like Automate is re-releasing a lot of the Hakuoki games for Switch, and Idea Factory International already is hinting at localizations they're playing. So if Switch Collab ever makes it to the Switch and it gets officially translated for anyone who enjoyed Hakuoki, especially because of the characters, I couldn't recommend it enough because at least so far. From what I played, is like I think it's the fluff everyone was looking for. <laughs> mm-hmm. And importantly, until the big publisher pulls their finger out, these people are making the unplayable playable, which is always I mean, a good thing. It is amazing because they are also working on Black Wolf Saga and the fundies for Amnesia Memories that are Amnesia Later and Amnesia Crowd. The fucking names of these topics. Yeah. I love it so much. Why um, are they so obsessed with memory? Anyway, it's great. Uh, <laughs> my favorite was Norn 9 and you're like, Norn what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, some some of the games are out there. Like what was uh, that one you said? Black Eye Wolf. Black Super Wolf, Black oh, Eye Patch Wolf, <laughs> um, Black Wolf Saga. Black Wolf Saga, yeah. And <laughs> they have memory. like a subtitle that is like. Of course, of course, they have a subtitle. <laughs> I can't even pronounce it because it Black is in German, saga. but I think it's like the word for white. Nights of Howling Moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just like clowning on them. I'm still bitter about Psychedelica. <laughs> 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 Which, by some miracle, didn't have a subtitle. Yeah. Well, I suppose Ash and Hawk technically is because you've got Black Butterfly as well. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of stupid yeah. names, what's a Griftland, Alex? <laughs> a game that has grifted away from me. <laughs> I'm, not really, <laughs> I'm not really playing it much right now. <laughs> I just, I was so into Chicory and the other ones. I actually think I'm not going to retire this game per se, but I think. Um, I'm actually gonna get to go home because I'm being fully vaccinated on Tuesday. What? What? Or I will have been fully vaccinated by the time you're listening to this. So next month uh, it's my brother's wedding, so I get to go home for the first time in like almost two years now. Actually, yeah, over two years. I think I haven't been home. It's been fucking ages. Um, so finally gonna be able to uh, get back out there. And I thought, you know what? That's gonna be switch gaming time. I got a flight. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be on vacation. I'm not gonna be around my ex console. So I was like, you know what, Grifflands, I'm gonna save you for when I am traveling. Um, because it's actually a game I wanna 
pay attention to. Sometimes Switch games, I like them because I don't have to pay attention. I can be watching some, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race in the background, playing a little bit of Switch. But Grifflands is like, nah, bro, you gotta focus. And I'm like, okay, focus. So, because there's lots of great dialogue. So I'm, I'm, I'm not playing a lot of that. In fact, I haven't been playing much of these games. Uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, I started Mass Effect 3 because I wanted to play, I did this with Mass Effect 2. I played like kind of the opening and then I stopped to like, play a game in between because it feels like an epilogue or like, you know, like a prologue to it. So like, I just played the opening of Mass Effect 3, which is nice because it gets me like, oh yeah, right. And it feels like an epilogue to Mass Effect 2 in some ways. And you're just like, man, Mass Effect 3 starting is dope. Like, they go in and they're just like, okay, shit's about to go down. Let's roll. And they just go for it. And combat's much better. Um, Shepard learned how to run in between Mass Effect 2 and 3. So, <laughs> so funny. In Mass Effect 1, Shepard can jog a little bit. A light jog. In Mass Effect 2, Shepard can run, but gets exhausted. And then in Mass Effect 3, Shepard's like, <gasps> just like fucking going for it and like never tires and i'm like this is the one i like um also if you want like if you look at the mass effect games they go from like you know sort of chill sci-fi to like gears of war like giant motherfuckers but three like everyone's just like a little muscly and like the suits are like chunky by the time you get to the third game um they actually they look good it's just sort of funny like you could kind of see like the development of their abilities. And, you know, it's a thing I talked about with EA, right? Where I was like, the downside with EA was like the DLC stuff. The upside was like, man, they had some fucking resources for this game. And they were able to really up all of their systems. So, you know, like combat feels really fucking good in it. And it's like, you know, when I was playing Outriders, I was like, Outriders Mass Effect 3. And I was like, yeah, it is. Because when you're playing this game, I'm like, oh, this is where Outriders got its inspiration. Because all the powers that you have are just so awesome. So anyway, uh, I won't be playing that for a while though, because I've got to play, you know, Rick's favorite game. <laughs> so I'm going to play 13 Sentinels as kind of a buffer between Mass Effect 3. Yes. Um, I always, I need a buffer between these games anyway, because I want to enjoy the experience. You know what I mean? Like I want Mass Effect to spread out over this year for me. I don't want to just like go through it and finish it because it's so sweet. And I've been playing Where in the World is Carmen San Diego. Again, this is a dumb game and I love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, co- the the gameplay never changes it's the same time every time you go through it you're doing the same thing you're just asking questions of people and going to different uh countries and I is there it. ever an end game then is there like a, a yes clear... i think i i think and i haven't gotten there yet i'm pretty darn sure that eventually because you, each time you complete cases it's like complete this many more cases to get your next rank and then i think when you hit a certain uh, rank you're going to have okay. to chase after the one and only carmen san diego right? Like you you never get her, you get all the other thieves. And then I'm pretty sure the final boss is find Carmen. Um, so there is an end point. Uh, I'll be real with you. This is a great game to get high and play. It's just, it's cause it's simple and it's, it's simple and it's fun. And like, if you just sit in there and you're like a little high, it's like, (laughs) cause the music's like, and you're just like, I got the little thieves. (laughs) It's it's really good. (laughs) So that's more, look, I don't drink, but I have my one vice and it's weed. <laughs> um, anyway, that's it for me. I'm not, I'm not really playing anything else. I did just buy uh, Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion. So you'll hear a bit more about that one for me next week. I think this is game. I heard mixed like. things. I hope you like it more than the critics did. I, I've heard the critics quite enjoyed it. I, everything I've been hearing about it, people have really enjoyed it. Anyway, people that yeah. I follow seem to really like it, so... Um, there you go. Also, it's only like two hours long. I don't think I'm going to hate it that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, two, I mean, uh, two hours. <laughs> what? 
from the games we're not playing that release to the games we're not playing because they haven't released yet. Yeah. Let's talk all things segways and E3. The Electronic Entertainment Expo. That's what it stands for. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I thought it was everyone expects everything and then gets nothing because <laughs> it was actually, and I, I don't know about you two, I thought it was a bit underwhelming this year. And I think that's natural because obviously everyone's oh, really? plans have been thrown off. Bye. Oh yeah. Okay. In that sense, I think I went into it with the expectation that like this is a rough year for everybody because COVID's a bitch, and so I was like, I was just expecting like a couple things that might be neat and like just a little bit of info, and I was like, oh yeah, that's what I got. Even with that, I felt particularly from from the bigger boys, I felt very underwhelmed. I think where I got the most joy was actually just from from stuff that's bounced out around the Steam Games Fest, and I'm counting it because Gabe was fucking in the PC show to shout it out. So as far as I'm concerned. That counts as part of E3. Oh, well, hey, look, quite- everything that went out, yeah. E3 is E three is so much more than E3 now, right? Like, yeah. the Wholesome Direct's not a part of E3, but it is a part of E3, because it's all on the same time, you know? Um, like, yeah. all of that is there. And it's interesting, though. I would say that, like, this show had a little bit of something for everybody. So, like, me, as a gamer who has Xbox Game Pass and a Switch... This was an excellent E3. <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure. because Microsoft... Pass, I, yeah, Microsoft... Look, I... Look... Obviously, I'm a bit biased, but holy fuck. Like, that was like, every second, it was like, day one Game Pass, day one Game Pass, coming to Game Pass, exclusively on Xbox, on Game Pass. And I was like, (gasps) like my little gamer, I was just like, oh my God, I don't have to buy games anymore. I can just play Game Pass. And in our chat, I'm just watching as you're going, oh my God, Microsoft won E3, and Powell's like, shit, I need Game Pass again. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I don't know. It's like so, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Paula. There's so much stuff on the on, on Game Pass, like on day uh, one. Not only insane. that, but the variety was so, insane. This is what I'm actually. I'm suddenly like it suddenly clicked for me because like I liked Game Pass because there was a couple games I wanted to play. But as I've been ha- as I've had Game Pass now for a couple months now, it's been well actually like half a year I've had Game Pass. What I've been discovering is that Game Pass is getting me outside of my gaming shell in some ways and. What's neat is that a game like Forza Horizon, uh, which I, you know, I, I looked at, I never, ever would play that game, right? Like, that would have never been a game I would pay money on. But, like, I was looking at it, I'm like, it's on Game Pass? I mean, why not, right? Like, I'm going to try it. And, like, what's nice is I'm having an opportunity to play games. And, like, I want to try Microsoft Flight Simulator. That looks fucking dope. Um, and it's like, I'm getting a chance to just try stuff that I never would have done because it just the, the cost right i don't want to pay money for something that i'm not sure i'm gonna like but now it's like yeah i'll try it maybe i'll love it and if i do great and if i don't nah, no loss right i just stop yeah. and the interesting thing is that's exactly how i feel about the steam demos things that they've yeah. been doing it, it i mean yeah. obviously it's without the paid subscription and without it being the full game obviously it's a different sort of tiering but it's exactly the same thing it's like fuck yeah i'll, I'll give this random thing a go and mm-hmm. see if i like it that's how I got into Shady Night, which I, I cannot bloody wait to release. That's how I got into Chicory. Um, that's how, yes, yeah, and, and I take full responsibility for that. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> my Critic League ruined. Yeah, 20 um, points. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, on the Critic League, actually, one of the standouts from um, the Xbox show was uh, 12 Minutes, mm-hmm. the upcoming Annapurna game uh, later this year, which has been on my radar for a while, but everything I hear about it just makes me excited for it. I, I've got a really good feeling about that one. And yeah. my, my hope is that they uh, that they absolutely nail it. Um, but that that's the only one of those from that that I was aware of. Uh, did either of you see the, the the little Gabe cameo on on the PC show? It sounds like neither of you did. No, 
I feel like I did, but I don't quite remember it. That was a weird week for me because I think I ended up watching everything from A3, so everything is blurry. Mixed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I so didn't sleep much that week. <laughs> <laughs> they basically showed a load of stuff, and I don't know if it was canned. If it, if it was canned, then whoever whoever decided to make that thing was a genius because there was a clip as they were transferring back to the main host of the thing, and it's just Gabe going, "Shit, some of those look really good." <laughs> <laughs> some of them do look really good and inside the baseball um we're all playing some of those demos to talk about next week mm-hmm. so get downloading because the festival ends before this goes out for fuck's sake i'll put that on the discord not here um mm-hmm. but next week we're going to talk about some of those and, and some of them release very soon and some of them look really 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 good uh including one again that was on my radar and again is on my fantasy critic league uh sable which looks like a real good time. And uh, I won't say too much about the demo because that's one that we'll be talking about next week. But uh, we have differing thoughts on that one. Mine were very positive and I, I hope they bear out. Um, <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about Microsoft. Sony obviously didn't show up. They've got a days of play scheduled. So I suspect they'll you talk know, about I got to say something. I think Sony fucking got hurt from not being in this. Like I, I agree. Jesus Christ, yeah. because th- no one is fucking talking about PlayStation at all. Like, it's a it's an addendum, you know what I mean? Like, if someone mentions, like, oh, a game's coming, it's like, oh, yeah, it's coming to Switch, Xbox, and, like, PC, right? And then it's like, wait, is that one coming to PlayStation? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Maybe to the general consumer, maybe not. Like, because we're unusual, right? Like, we're the people who tune into fucking E3, which we're into games either way. So I'm not, I'm not actually sure how impactful E3 is in general. Like, you know what I mean? I, I don't I- know. Um, and I would say outside of this bubble, certainly anecdotally, it's just, are you getting a PlayStation? It's the PlayStation mm-hmm. shortage. No one's even talking about Xbox. But then and that's not really even Xbox's play anymore. Xbox's no. play is we want you on a recurrent subscription. We actually don't uh-huh. care if we can sell your box or not because you can have it on the cloud. We're working with people to put it in your TV. Yeah. We just want to be everywhere. We don't really want you to buy our hardware necessarily, yeah. which is an yeah. interesting play. Although I'm not sure I, I totally agree with you on that, though, because one of their, their core messaging still is that if you buy our hardware, it's going to be the best way to play it, right? Like, that's their, their messaging is you can play it anywhere, but, right? And they're like, play it on the hardware, and it'll be your best, the best experience. In the short term, sure. Yeah. I, I think long term, that's not their play, without, without a shadow of a doubt. But Nintendo had a surprisingly strong showing, starting yeah. with what got me and Paolo very excited. Shin Megami Tensei 5. 5. That is looking so good. And especially if they had it on Treehouse. They played like 20 minutes on it on Treehouse. And I was like... Nice. (laughs) I I still haven't seen the Treehouse footage. Is it everything we wanted? It might be. I I don't know. They just show like general gameplay. Okay. But it is looking like really good. That's a yes then. That's yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I feel like Nintendo had like a really just... It was like a solid showing you know what i mean like it wasn't like whoa but it was like oh this is like a solid year of, of games and like older ips coming back um you know you got WarioWare returning which looks fascinating you're controlling characters in it instead of I and was... different solutions for different characters i got mad scribble notes vibes yeah from that i'm not i'm not opposed i'm just intrigued and <laughs> uh you know super mario like mario party's back i guess superstars uh, we'll see uh every time a mario party releases i'm like mm-hmm, okay I've been burned before. <laughs> like, I'll wait and see. Uh, let's talk about, okay, everybody's been going fucking nuts about Metroid Dread, but I'm just mm-hmm. going to say a couple things here. I am extremely worried about this game. So, like, I I know it looks looks neat, 
16 years um, <laughs> in development. This game has been in development for 16 fucking years. Um, in and out, yeah. Yeah, for sure. in and out. Also, okay. <sighs> My least favorite part about Fusion was having to run away from the thing you can't defeat. I'm like, that's not Metroid to me. I'm like, I don't, what? And like, <sighs> oh, look, I'm hoping it's going to be really good. But I get this feeling where it's like, the things we loved about Super Metroid, how do I explain this? The best Metroid games are not Metroid games anymore. And yeah, that's fair. yeah. And what I'd say is that the teams who are making these Metroid games are in a shit situation where they have one of the best games ever made uh, as the reference point. And they weren't the ones who made that game. You know, like, it's like, they're not, they weren't and they're not. And so it's kind of like, I don't know. I just, I have a sinking suspicion it's going to be good, but that's about it. It's going to be good. You know, like how we think about with Samus Returns, where we're like, hey, it's good. Um, but then you're like, is it great? No, but it's good. <laughs> okay, so I, I agree with you some points. I'm going to push back on you in some points. I definitely would have preferred the version of Metroid Dread that we would have gotten on DS. Mm. Because by the sounds of it, they were making that with Fusion assets. And I thought Fusion looked incredible. Oh, that would so. have been so nice, yeah. Yeah, I, I could have fully gone for that. Mm-hmm. Equally, I actually really liked the um, Samus X portions of Fusion, which is what you're talking about. And I think the interesting thing is playing those before Super Metroid, because the through line for me is building an atmosphere, uh, a sense of, not dread, because that is the word. <laughs> for, a, a, yeah. a sense of, of being like a single solitary figure alone in this alien space. Maybe not out num- not outgunned. Certainly, I didn't feel that in Super Metroid properly. But in Fusion, you were supposed to feel fucking vulnerable and like you had to claw for everything. And I think that fed a little bit into the way they did Zero Mission as well. And I I really actually like that evolution of Metroid as a thing, hmm. where you're powerful, but you're also not the apex predator, and you have to pick your moments. And I think I think it does that really well. Now, are Mercury Steam the best people to make? A Metroid proper, that is a question. And I, I think what you're saying there about not being the original team, having the background of not a perfectly received remake, I liked what it did, not necessarily for a Metroid game. That melee counter is a really weird one because it, it, it fully flips the, the combat loop. Now, in this one, you've got a running melee counter. That could be cool. Could be. And I think they could make that work. Could be is the key word, yeah. yeah. I, I think everyone's super excited to have Metroid back. Yeah. Probably haven't thought of the implications, and I think you're definitely on point with that. I am cautiously optimistic, because I did like Samus Returns. Mm-hmm. But it, it could go horribly wrong, and I think I think that's I'll absolutely just put it this fair. Way. And I hope, I hope that they go and make a 2D one someday. That's what we want. We don't want shitty 3D. I know. Here, we want here, good 2D. Here's my thing. If you can't make a good remake... I'm extremely afraid for your original. That's just like, my thing is like, you're, I can't you're argue. you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and again, I agree with you. It's just, I, so I think if you like fusion and you like the stuff you're describing, that's the stuff that I don't like. Like I actually never felt powerless. Cause I just felt, um, I just felt like, like I felt gimmicked in a way where I was like, all right, I know I can't kill this thing. It's going to fucking kill me, whatever. Like, you know, I, like, I, I felt that a little bit, but I also understand your point. I think it's also very valid. It's just, I think we're, there are two sides of the same coin in terms of Metroid enjoyment where I'm like, I like the more the exploration side. And you're like, oh no, I like that atmosphere side. So we'll see. Listen, I want it to be really good. I really do, <laughs> you know, but I'm a little worried. What do you think, Paula? Um, 
I don't have much to okay. say in regards to Metroid because I haven't really like played any of them. Fair, fair. But by the way, Metroid Red looked it looked interesting. I just don't know exactly yeah. like what to expect from it because it still have a different feel from what I've seen of Metroid of Super Metroid, for example. And it had a different feel. Similar but different, uh from Metroid Returns in some way. I just hope we get GLaDOS memes. Because you're me. Uh, we've already got GLaDOS we, memes. We already got GLaDOS memes because that <laughs> white robot, it was like, that is a GLaDOS. I know, oh, when I looked at it, I was like, yeah. I was like, what? Dudes, what? You have so much, you're in You're in Metroid world. There's so much, what? I was like, anyway, it's fine. Um, it's another reason I wanted pixel art. That would have looked incredible in pixel art. Oh, it probably would have looked Yeah, really yeah. And you wouldn't have the, the portal comparison, which is unavoidable. Also, actually, on the <laughs> Nintendo front, Advanced Wars 1 and 2 coming back, um, Way Forward I'll is play, uh, Yeah. Um, apparently in the Treehouse, it, it, when I saw the trailer, I was like, huh. But apparently in the Treehouse, like when you look at it, um, it it actually looks like all the battles are on like a little um like a little table um and like it, diorama like, type yeah, thing, yeah and it looks a lot more claymation um when it's like in in play and so I'm like that's interesting thing is that do those games need a remaster like they play great on the Game Boy Advance like I don't, I'd I, be I, much more enthusiastic if it was a new game I'm a fully on board with you there I didn't I didn't need a one and two reboot I think I think I wanted a fresh game in that and yes they're they're remastering and they're retooling parts of it but like. If you're going to go to that effort, just make a new one. And is that game broken? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I was like, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, like, that game's messed up. Like, oh, it needs to one be One and refixed. two were incredibly well received. There, yeah. was, there was never anything. If if anything what? wasn't well received, it was the uh, the most recent, before this one, the um, Dark Wars. Alliance on the DS, which oh. mechanically is pretty good, but also sort of goes a bit edgelord. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a whole end of the world thing. I never finished it, but I played it and I enjoyed what I played. It is really, it is really good from a gameplay standpoint. Mm. Um, what I think they're doing with these remakes is trying to, first of all, it would it would be like really weird if they aren't working on a new Advance Wars. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but I think they're like using uh, the 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 same engine that they're using for the new Advance Wars to make the remakes and then have more like have people look at the series because yeah if it if it weren't because of how long to wait and me talking to friends about video game about old games i don't think i've ever mm. heard about advanced advanced wars before yeah that's fair that would make sense to me i mean that gives me more hope um than if i guess if they just re-released the pixel versions then you would be like yeah we're not getting anything <laughs> But now I'm going to be very yeah. sad if we don't get anything. <laughs> was there any yeah. pixel oh, yeah. like one? I was no, just going to ask Paula if there's anything else that stood out for you for the Nintendo one besides obviously Breath of the Wild too. Besides the obvious one, um, it it was first shown on the what's the name on the U- Ubisoft forward, but it is a Nintendo exclusive and it is Mario Plus Rabbids. And I forgot the, the 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 second part of the game, but Bark it is looking great. It is. Yeah, it does. I the first one is one of the ones I want to play when I eventually get. Oh, it's it, it's fantastic. It, it is amazing. I looks wonderful. I I yeah. love Fraxis's XComs. So mm-hmm. that with a, a goofy Mario Rabbids paint job and portably, I you couldn't ask for a for a better game. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so there, and I'll I'll be there for the sequel as well. I'm sure. Oh, it was so yeah, good. But- 
um, Mario Rabbids is such a weird game because when I first picked it up, I was curious about it being like a more tactical game. Mm. Though I was worried because Rabbids, but it is a surprisingly good game. Like, it's, and it, yeah. it can kick your ass, that game. <laughs> I don't think there was much else that grabbed me from Nintendo other than that. I mean... Just some good stuff coming along this year. Pretty good. I'm still excited about the golf game. It's coming out soon next week. Woo! I it looks way too good, and I, I I'm torn because I know you're going to get loads of points for it, but I am also low key thinking it's going to be good. I think I, it is. Like, I, don't, yeah. I don't want it to do well, but I do think it will do quite well. <laughs> yeah. Um. The wholesome direct was really nice, though. <laughs> okay, listen, indie developers. There are only so many motherfucking farming, crafting, and fishing games that you can fucking make, man. Like, That's not true. We need to craft all the things, Alex. Oh, my God. If that direct cut out crafting, fishing, and farming games, that direct would have been like four games. Like, I was like, ah, oh, that's an exaggeration. But, like, holy shit. I mean nice but holy shit like i'm just like come on we gotta fucking because look stardew valley it took part of my soul and i'm not allowed to play farming games anymore because stardew valley owns me <laughs> <laughs> you know? like, i'm just not allowed it did it and it, it did it it did it it did it right but i don't know there were a couple games in there that i thought looked really neat um there's some that i'm playing demos of for next week but i, I love the wholesome direct just because i love seeing games where they're they don't just like immediately default to the violence option because I just think it's the easy one, you know? And, like, trying to explore new... Oh, oh, oh. Um, behind the frame, I think. Did you see this one? The painting one? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it was, like, the the little animation thingy they showed. It gave me Ghibli vibes. Yeah. Like, the style of it. A hundred percent. It looks like this beautiful adventure game where you're, like, painting these... Um, different scenes and stuff and like oh it looks yeah yeah ghibli for sure it looked really cool in fact i'd actually say like the gorilla collective showcase like the summer games fest like all those ones like there were just a lot of really nice indie games uh in there that look really interesting um and uh tunic is looking good too i'm going to talk about that yeah, one next week yeah, yeah. i've got the demo oh for that right well, you have the, the access to the demo the other one i really mm-hmm. like is i'm gonna watch her did but the kiwi the one oh, like with a little kiwi. kiwi yeah that looks kiwi. amazing yeah <laughs> which one is it sorry can you how, do, how is it like key like a key like unlock it's key yeah, and key we and as in us oh we. kiwi oh yeah yeah oh and yeah you play two kiwis in the post office and you've got to like do oh, the charges it's like overcooked post office australia edition it looks amazing mm-hmm. yep there are some beautiful i have it on the router because i think it, ha- it has a co-op mode and that looks amazing. Nice, nice. Yeah. But this is what I'm saying. Like the stuff that's exciting wasn't at like the main showcases. It was all like the random little PC things. Like um, there's a game that looks right up my alley. It's like a first person parkour shooter thing called Severed Steel. Looks incredible. To be fair what though, Rick, you I also know? don't own a Switch or an Xbox. So like obviously those I, aren't that exciting I, to I, you. I am a Switch owner to be. So the Switch <laughs> yeah. stuff does still interest me. Yeah, Or a PlayStation um, 5. So. <laughs> I'll get a Switch before I get a PS5 without a shadow of a doubt. Um, Um, There was that shim, the one where you're like jumping in people's shadows, if mm. either of you saw that one. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I did see Um, that. Well, that's Happy Game, which looks very... Oh, um, (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> and um, and that's probably a good lead-in, actually, to a similar game, which was in the Devolver Showcase called Inscription, which is by the guy behind Pony Game and The Hacks. Mm-hmm. The only person who could get me to play a card-based deck builder, because normally I avoid that shit like the plague. But I feel like he's done. he's got enough goodwill banked with me that I will give it a try. I love deck builders. I'm in. I thought the stuff that the Volver showed was interesting, though. I mm. that store uh, look at least I think it looked interesting, and the deck builder one. Yeah, was but also the wall that look like it's so... limited. Yeah, we, we spoke a little bit, <laughs> didn't we, about the physical only release and how yeah. how bought that is as a concept. Now it, it's worth saying that the the company behind the physical releases proper because this is going to be a whole program they're doing, have come out and, and made changes that I think completely fix it because they've said everything's going to get a digital release on itch six months later. It's not on Switch, so it's not ideal, but that's still everything gets that release and there's not going to be a limit to the physical pre-orders. So there's potentially a limit to the impact of scalping because there can be lots more yeah. copies in the wild. It's not like they've got a short allocation. Hmm. And, and, you know, a, a physical timed exclusivity is not ideal, but I think it's acceptable in the circumstances. Yeah, I can accept when that. When there's a digital release after the fact, but Devolver specifically for this um, for this game of theirs that they're doing, which actually does look pretty good, and it's from the people behind Gato Roboto. Mm-hmm. To my knowledge, they haven't come out and said anything of the same effect. No, it's so just limited. Are, and and this is like a, a wider trend with Devolver, where I feel like they're almost doing a CVPR, like they yeah. they've huffed their own their own goodwill farts. And they're becoming like what they set out to to not yeah. be. Uh, the showcase, I think, has run its course. I feel like they've sort of jumped the shark at this point. They're doing it because they're expected to do a quirky E three type thing. Yeah, Th- there's still merit to it, but I, I don't. I don't really think it, it's what it was. The games they showed looked good. Track to Yomi particularly looks like it could be wonderful if they if they do it right. But I, I love the atmosphere of that. But then you've got this company that are like taking the piss out of microtransactions in mobile games and like mobile greed and everything else in the advert for their mobile game you you can't do that you can't square it that way it it doesn't work you you can't have your cake and eat it too so i i'm a little bit sour on devolver at the moment that may well ease over time but i did like a couple of the things that i saw from there um on a more positive note i hype for cannot reach of spirits that game is looking so good Mm. also uh i don't know if i said before but it is made by the people that made that Majora's Mask Terrible Fate short. Oh, have you any of you watch? Go watch it. That is amazing. Hmm. Uh, well, I'll watch it if you share and... me a link. I'm more than happy to do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna share you the link like nice. when I can or nice. if I know. Uh, and, and... It, the I I re- I'm really expecting like top notch quality from uh, the creators of Kena at this point because of the prior works they've they've done. Mm-hmm. And the way they're framing it is like they're trying to um, not make like a playable movie, but they're like incorporating a lot of uh, movie stuff on the game. And what's the name of the game? I forgot. This stop motion game where the devs did like the sets on real life and then like scanned them like for 3D models. Oh, Harold something or other. I do know the one you you said. Yeah. Looks really, really good. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, what was that called? It's Harold something. Uh, how I'll did I forget? <laughs> Hold that thought. Harold Halibut. Yeah, that one. That <laughs> one. Oh, looks glorious. I thing is, I'm a sucker for like claymation animated stuff, like ported into into video games. 
The Swapper, one of my favorite games of all time, does that. Uh, there's an excellent adventure game series called The Dream Machine, which I've yet to play, but looks incredible. This Harold Halibut thing is is the latest in that line of cool looking stuff. Cool. Um, and then before we move on to the question, because I, I desperately want us to actually do it this week, uh, I just want to quickly shout out uh, a solo project from one of the developers behind Dead Cells called Nuclear Blaze, where you're a firefighter firefighting a nuclear explosion. And it's like a 2D pixely thing. Looks really fucking cool. And that's coming out soon as well. Um, uh, I don't think it was properly showcased, but it was it announced around the time. Okay. Paolo, yeah. Hi, Chad. I'd like one real quick. Mm-hmm. Real quick. Uh, Lost in Shadow. No, Lost in Random. It looks like um, I forgot a uh, Tim Burton movie. Oh, it does a little bit. Yes. Very cartoony. Is... Okay. I'm also yeah, that is looking fantastic. only a little salty that we didn't talk Stalker 2, Starfield, or Halo Infinite because those are looking fucking dope. And I am just like... Yeah, I'm on board, man. Starfield. That, I look. I know they didn't show much, but I was in engine, and I was like, "Fuck me," because um, that shit's looking, that looking nice. Fantastic. And I'm like, "Skyrim yeah. in space, baby!" <laughs> like, come into wow. my eyeballs. You're lucky. It is uh, Xbox exclusive. No, no Xbox. Day one on Microsoft exclusive. Game Pass. Yeah. Game Pass. Oh. Wow, it's Bethesda, so I'll, I'll get excited when the community have had a chance to fix all the bugs. Bethesda didn't bother. Oh, sure whatever you want to say i'm right on fucking board man <laughs> um i'm I, they've been working on it for so long too like i'm just like uh, i cannot wait i cannot wait and stalker 2 looks fucking insane the animation in that game holy shit i was like okay now we're getting to the point where faces are looking really real and i'm a little nervous <laughs> uh, and last thing i'll say is infinite's multiplayer is free and looks incredible so it's like a battle royale, though, isn't it? It's not the whole multiplayer that's free. Or no, is it the whole multiplayer? There's no battle royale. What are you talking about? <laughs> Where have I read that? I could have sworn I read there was like a Halo battle royale. You read royale. wrong. There is not. They've actually explicitly said there's no Halo battle royale. It's just Halo multiplayer. All Halo multiplayer is free. Halo Infinite. Ooh. There's no battle royale. How the they... entire experience is free. How are they... How are they... No, here's the thing. Me. They don't have to monetize it because it's a Game Pass driver. It's a come on to right. Xbox, Ooh. baby. Right, yeah, it's like come under our ecosystem, right? It's like play Halo Infinite free on anything, but then hey, you want to play the campaign? Why don't you come play on Game Pass? Ooh, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> that's what they're doing. They're gonna get you in there. All right, Aww. let's move on then to the question. That's our E3 roundup. Oh, Paula, sorry, did you have one last thing you want to add in? It was just a very obvious one that was Breath of the Wild too. Also, mm. I need to say I got Asian Cistern and. Planeer Mining Facility vibes from some of the stuff on that trailer. Mm-hmm. So I think it has a Skyward Sword remake releasing close to that game has meaning. Yeah. And that's all I have to say because otherwise I'm going to stick here like talking for eternity. All the Sky stuff. Anyway, it was good E3, right? Like there was some fun stuff. Mm-hmm. I-, I hope E3 continues in this digital format because it's great. I mean, letting IGN take the reins on it and, you know, like um, distribute everything like that worked really great. Okay, let's move on to our question of the week, finally, from Frozen Roy. Uh, A fond memory I have is getting Pokemon XD during Christmas from my mom, as I'd wanted it since it came out due to Pokemon Coliseum, and she managed to get it for me in secret. So, do any of you podcasters have fond memories or stories of games as gifts, be it Christmas, birthday, or even some other random surprise, be it giving or receiving, too? As you can tell, this is probably supposed to come out around one of our birthdays, but we pushed it. Yep. Weeks. Way, way back. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, my parents sprung a wee on us. 
if you guys remember when the Wii first came out, you could not get a Wii. Mm. And um, my parents spent a few weeks telling me and my little brother, uh, well, the shops the shops haven't got them. We're not sure if we're going to be able to get one on the day. So uh, it may well have to be sort of the week after or, or whenever they're in the shops again. We were like, okay. And right up until Christmas Day, the Sneaky Monkeys managed to convince us that they hadn't snagged one. So we opened all our presents. Like, you know, fine, the Wii's going to come eventually. We've got other stuff. It's not a big deal. Uh, and then Dad pulls a box from out behind one of the sofas. And uh, it's Wii and about 10 games that they'd managed to sneak in. Uh, 10 games? Damn, yeah, I, wow, they, they treated you good. I mm, Some of them weren't great games. <laughs> <laughs> there was like there was one called Smarty Pants that was like a trivia game that got played that day and never after. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Good old Wii. But, this, but equally, some of, some of the fun surprises were ones where they, they like did it by random and it turned out really good. So when I first got a Game Boy Advance, they decided to buy me Chamber of Secrets for the Game Boy Advance, which is like an isometric Zelda-y type experience. It's really yeah. good on GBA. Some of the early Harry Potters, they nailed the, mm-hmm. the licensed tie-ins for. And then looking back now, I know for a fact it's because... So in the UK, we have a, a game store called Game. Funnily enough, they sell mm-hmm. games. And <laughs> what they what they would do like throughout the noughties is they'd have a TV up at, on the front of the storefront like playing game trailers and things. Mm. And there was one for Sonic Advance 3. I didn't have a clue what it was, but it looked sick. So I was just watching like these little pixely animals fly around the screen. And clearly my parents have clocked that and walked across and mum's gone to dad or vice versa, just go back and get that one. Um, and I've opened it up on Christmas Day. And there's, there's been a few like that and it's always a nice little surprise. Uh, but that's enough about me. What about you two? Do I start? I yeah, go know. ahead. <laughs> um, first console I actually own, like just mine, nobody else's, is my old 3DS XL mm. like from Christmas 2012 and this one was very special because like my parents are like really into like gifting video games and stuff like that at least not back then and it took me like an entire year of convincing that I was being a good girl and I deserve it I deserve a video game console <laughs> and they got me this one with Ocarina of Time 3D, which, by the way, I already told the story how I was the one kid without a save file on the Nintendo 64 because three save files and four kids. Painful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I treasure this 3DS until this day because it was kind of like a turning point for my parents because after that, I feel like my nephew was very lucky because they gave him a Wii U after I got one because he loved the hell out of Mario Kart. My nephew at the time was like four or five years old, but he knew Mario, he knew Mario Kart. And he was like, I wanted, and he got it and he played the hell out of that game. And he had so much fun with that. And I don't know, like the Nintendo game for us has been like uh, one way to bond nice. uh, especially because he like stayed at my home for a while because reasons so he feels more like a younger brother than my nephew hmm. it's like the closest thing i ever get to a, a younger brother uh on that note uh age of calamity when it came out my sister bought it for me um well for her and my nephew and the weeks leading up to the release were glorious because we, we were like over the phone, like theorizing with, uh, about the game or how it was going to lay out. So it was like real, a really wholesome experience. And the final one that I remember very, very fondly is a birthday gift my brother bought for me. 
and it was the special edition for Premium Echoes Tales of Valencia. And we went to pick it up together after like not seeing each other for a while. And we had a good time there. And then I just had to gush about the game, like uh, when I finally finished it and told him that I had a really good time and I was really thankful for it. And that is one of the moments I look very fondly at. Hmm. So yeah, what about Yelks? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about, because I did something similar to you where like I convinced my parents to get me a Game Boy Color with like Pokemon Red. And like that one has obviously a very fond memory, but I, I'm pretty sure I've talked about that before on the podcast. And one that I was actually just remembering even this morning, like I had an original DS fat, you know, not the big thick boy. Uh, and I don't know what happened to it. I think it just vanished one day or like broke or something. I don't know. But I remember one birthday, my parents got me the DS Lite. Um, that nice little white one with a copy of Ace Attorney and Elite Beat Agents. I don't know how I heard of those games. I, I still, to this day, I have no fucking clue. Like, it must have been Nintendo Power or something because those games are so far out of my wheelhouse. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're not, as a they're kid. Niche, very much so, yeah. They're so niche. And yet, there I was with those two games. And I just remember, um, funny, funny story. Uh, I have two videos on like a really old YouTube channel that have like, 30 20,000 views each of like the first case of Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney and it's just a shit like me holding a, a like a digital camera because you know lord knows there were no phones at that point just walking through it and like I, I didn't even finish the first case I just it's only two videos of it, it doesn't ah. even finish um but like I had a ton of videos because I just loved the game and I was like sharing it but I think people just liked it because they're like I want to watch it and it was like back before long plays were really a thing so anyway I loved that game like that game sort of opened my eyes to like the types of games that you can genuinely play and then i got really into just like random ds games like hotel dusk and stuff and like i was like i was all over the ds at that point um and elite beat agents man i fucking i beat the shit of that game i beat it on its hardest difficulty i was like i was into that game i got real good at it it was just it was so much fun um pretty sure i broke my ds light because of that game i kept like going and like snapped the hinge or something yeah, yeah. Like, smacking that thing and, like a hinge eventually snapped the ds light was notoriously bad for that hinge snapping do you know what? The fat wasn't much better. I had two no. hinges going on fats. They were both pretty shite. <laughs> um, yeah, I love them. <laughs> yeah, I know. I still love them. But it was also probably because I played them so fucking much. So they just snapped, yeah. you know. Oh, and you could still play Game Boy Advance games on them, man. I played so many Game Boy Advance games on that DS Lite. But anyway, um, yeah. yeah, fun memories of that. Ugh, the DS, man, that was just... That was some... That was some grade a fun on that fucking thing i i had so much fun with that so many random interesting new games and uh yeah that was that so anyway that that's my fondest memory i don't really remember the christmas ones that much because honestly kind of all my games when i was a kid were birthday and christmas you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. i i never bought any games for myself so it's hard for me to remember what games i actually purchased on my own because like until i until i moved out and like when i was living on my own i bought scores of xbox i my largest catalog of physical games is my xbox i easily have 100 xbox games like i have many of them um because that was also the era when they were dirty but you know games before that right like game boy advance games i don't know i have a couple because there are gifts <laughs> yeah yeah I, I well i got old enough to buy games around when the ds happened and mm. god i must have 80 yeah. Maybe even more, actually, because I've picked up most that's got to this flat. Somewhere between 80 and 100. Yeah. But uh, plenty of them were secondhand. And, and secondhand, yes. because the DS was so big, there were loads of mm-hmm. games floating around. Very cheap. Even new ones. I remember this game, uh, game called Infinite Space, 
Platinum Games game, interestingly mm-hmm. enough. And that goes for like £70 plus now because it's relatively rare. But I got it new for 10 like a month after it released because nobody bought it because there was so much experimentation going on that platform like, and they didn't want to keep the inventory all the time. They wanted DS games, but they didn't want the same DS games hanging around. It was but kind I... of... Oh, go on. No, go ahead. I was gonna say, it's kind of the same for the 360 at the time. Like, yeah. I could fucking pick up 360 games for like five bucks, easy, and good ones, like all the time. I And I played most of my catalog. <laughs> like, you know, it's just wild. Yeah. yeah. But I, I suppose to bring it back around, it's it's one of those things where like birthdays, I always knew what I wanted because I was asking broadly speaking yes. for it. Christmas would would often more be the case where I'd got I'd get surprised. You know, I'd ask for, I'd really like X and Y, and then anything else. You know, happy bonus. And then my parents would take the initiative. And yeah, I told my normally parents, knock out the park in fairness. That's fair. I told my parents every game I wanted because they knew jack fucking shit, and they were like not gonna guess. I was like. This is what I want. Just give me this. And they're like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I I credit the DS for getting me into like games, uh, writing and stuff and, and thinking about games in a more detailed thing. That's why I started. Anyway, that's a, that's a story for another day. Why don't we, um, move along to our favorite game. How long to beat the game? Paula, what are we playing this week? So let me set everything up. Okay. And we have Wolfenstein 2, the Freedom Chronicles episode 1. Wait, this is an episode of the game or what the fuck? I would like you to roll that again, please. Yeah, I don't know what that is. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to re-roll this. Destiny, the Taken King. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) 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 Wolfenstein. Oh, no, let's no. do this one because I'm sure the Wolfenstein one is like two hours or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's probably one of those ones. Did you say Destiny 2? Destiny, Destiny the Taken King. It's, it's oh, one it's of the expansions. The it's the game. first Destiny. It's an expansion for the first Destiny. God, yeah, I fucking damn it. It's But okay, but hold on. Um, so does the Taken King count as just just the expansion or does it count as the full thing because didn't it release as the full game and the Taken King I think so I'm uh, gonna hope that it's just the expansion I'd, uh... I'm looking at it it says release on September 15 2015 as the third expansion of Destiny uh, I didn't know there were like another two expansions this is the problem with these I, new games Destiny. it's like it's a small community and it, it, generally the talk is contained within that community but there's lots of destiny to be played or bought, as it were. I don't even want to begin guessing this one. I'm scared. <laughs> uh, this is, I know this is a pretty big game from what I understand, though. Keep talking, Alex. I need more clues. Well, that's all I know. I just know that it's a full <laughs> campaign. That's like that's that's the extent of my knowledge. But I don't even know what that means in terms of destiny. Like, what is a full campaign of destiny? Uh... I want to cry. <laughs> My problem is that there's just no way that I can, that I, I just don't think I know. I don't even know how long fucking Destiny is. <laughs> Too long. But this is the thing, like it's 100% time is disgusting, but you can't really 100% it. So how on earth are people logging it? I think that's, that's the confusing part. That's the worry. I know. There's, there's no, there's no like consistency to what people will count as any different thing. The way that you might get with, um like a, a single player game or a more conventionally structured game i know this is what really drives me fucking crazy because i'm just like what would you consider what would you consider to be like extra on this right 
Yeah. Or, or what would you consider to be enough here. for extra? It seems like Destiny the Taken King and Destiny the Taken King Legendary Edition are two separate things. They're separate. Legendary okay. Edition is probably what you were talking about, where it's the whole shebang. The, it, that is the first. Yeah, That's the that whole shebang. Okay. Okay. It, it includes Destiny, all the expansions, and latest chapter. So I'm going to assume Destiny the Taken King is just that expansion. Because, okay, here's my thoughts. <laughs> Destiny is a bungee shooter, and their campaigns are never much longer than 10 hours, right? Like, that's that's how Destiny, that's how bungee works. But how many times can you replay these games? Fuck! Okay. Do they have multiple? No. I, I, what I've done is I've relied on, like, all the raid content and stuff being, like, closer to the 100% mark. So I've gambled five hours on main and 11 hours on main plus. And I'm not even going to try 100% because uh, there's not a hope in how. But I think the campaign's longer because didn't they say it's a full campaign? Like, I mean... I, it might be. I've got three-hour buffer, so... Oh. I feel like it's a 10-hour... I just... I don't know, man. I feel like... <laughs> you might be Wait, right. I, that's, the, that's the fun of the game. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. I'm going 25. I don't like this. I'm going 25 hours for main X. I feel like it's I, it's got to be big, right? Like, it, there's just no way. I, I have no idea of 100%, though. I feel like it could be anywhere between 200 and 600 hours. I don't fucking know. Oh, 600 is probably too much. 400. <laughs> no. I only have a, a three-hour buffer. What the fuck? I know, but this is like, why I'm so nervous. The three-hour buffer is, like, not much. I'm, like... Yeah, I'm going to go five hours, 30 minutes... Um, no, six hours, 30 minutes, um, 13 hours, um, 30 minutes. I'm not going to even attempt 100% because I don't know anything about it. Okay, I'll do 25 and a half there. hours. Are you two ready? As ready as I'll ever be. <sighs> Fuck, okay, go. Okay, <laughs> let's cry together. Through, go on. What the actual fuck? Okay, main Just story, eight, eight hours and a half. Fuck! <laughs> Oh. Rick hated the eight hour, hating the half hours. Sorry, that was a loud yell. You're gonna say that as well. Fuck off, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> I think Aldis is getting points here because what? main plus extras. He's twenty five hours and a half. Twenty seven hours and a half. Yeah. Uh, completion is it is a hundred and twenty nine. Holy shit! The fuck. Hang on. So, so what I'm hearing is my kingship has been taken. Oh, by one yep. point. <laughs> by one point. I'm just here lagging behind. <laughs> the new score is... You're doing your win to like, appreciate that pun, I feel. Oh, I was, sorry. Um, so that <laughs> means... <laughs> the new scores is Alex 59, Rick 58, Paola 50. Oh! It's been coming. It's been coming. Oh, it's been coming, yeah. Oh. But oh, that's a tenuous lead <laughs> if I've ever seen one. <laughs> you could literally... Now, you could tie it just by... I'm to step up my, my game here. Mm. I'm going to have to step up my game. You really do. Can I retake my kingship next week? There's only one way to find out, and that is to tune back in. Until then, stay safe. Enjoy the weather or not. I don't really know where I was going with that. Toodles. <laughs> Catch us next time. Bye. <laughs>